In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. This is a 680 The Fan podcast. To hear more live and local sports content like this, tune into 680 AM or 93.7 FM or download The Fan app. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season. W229HE Atlanta. The most listened to sports station in the South. WCNN North Atlanta. A Dickie Broadcasting Station. The Fan. 680 and 93.7 FM. Chuck and Chernoff are on the fan, and we're on time. Clock management working well today. And I still have my two challenges that I don't have to use till later in the show. That's always a big thing to save. We're with you till 6 tonight, and then what follows us tonight? We have a 680 Rewind. Is that what's happening? All right. It's the best of uh, the stuff you might have missed throughout the day. 680 and 93.7. 93.7, yes, or 6.30, or the steaming app. All Steaming of the, on the fan app. That's exactly right. A lot of ways to consume this product. We hope you'll do it when we're done at 6. Some of your favorite moments of the 6.80 broadcasting day, and then you'll wake up tomorrow with the locker room 6 to 10 and do it all over again. The 4 o'clock hour of the show is presented by Entry Point Doors and Windows. Atlanta's local expert for entry doors and windows. They're Atlanta's best for a reason. Go to entrypointatlanta.com for a free estimate. Coming up in five minutes, it's one of the few life rules and sports rules. And we're doing our best to ruin it. Chuck will explain around the corner. But first, I've seen a trend. I've seen a theme with the Atlanta Braves. That's MVP winners over the last couple of years. There was a point. I think I was um, I think I was like 22 or 23 when Chipper Jones won the MVP for the Braves. Up until that point, I'd only seen two guys win the MVP in my lifetime wearing a Braves uniform. One was Dale Murphy. 1982 and 83, and the other was Terry Pendleton in 1991. Well, now if you're a Brave fan who is 22 or 23, you've seen in the last five years or last four years two guys win the MVP. Ronald Acuna won it a year ago with that dominant season. Freddie won it in the 60-game shortened season of 2020. And I can make a case that you have a chance to see a third MVP winner, whether that's Ronnie doing it again or somebody totally different. Charles, I think this is the year that the breakthrough – goes from a very, very, very good Austin Riley to a great Austin Riley. He's been on the borderline of, like, really, really, really good to great. His numbers are so consistent. I went and looked at the last three years of Austin Riley. I think he's often overlooked because he plays on the most talented roster in baseball. This is kind of the thing I talk about with Ozzie Albies. There are seven players who have hit 30 home runs in each of the past three seasons. One of them is Kyle Schwarber. One is Shohei Otani. Jordan Alvarez. Pete Alonso, Aaron Judge. Matt Olson, And who else? Austin Riley. Now, Acuna got his MVP a year ago. In any other year, Matt Olson wins the MVP if it's not for his own teammate having that kind of season because that's how good Matt was. Freddie won his in 2020. I think Riley, who has averaged 36 home runs and 99 RBIs over the last three seasons, and oh, by the way, in that time, he's put up a 134 OPS plus. There's a ceiling now that he can push through. Let me give you some numbers. I think this is the year you get the Austin Riley 47 home run season the 132 RBIs, the 150 OPS plus, and the MVP. 
He's been so close to doing that. Remember, there was a push that we all thought he could make in 2021 when he had that big year. And it was a great year, but it came up a little short of winning the MVP. I think this is the year he gets it. What a compliment to this team that if you have a third guy who could win an MVP in a five-year span, and frankly, a fourth guy in Matt Olson that in a lot of other years would have won it. I think Austin's the year. There's my pick to click, Austin Riley. There are a lot of high-profile and, in some cases, really accomplished third baseman around the league. Manny Machado's as talented as anybody. Um, nothing you said, though, that's not relevant to anything you just said. Like, <laughs> I mean, Arenado's had a stellar career. Doesn't matter. Austin Riley, he's the best third baseman in the game. Can I give you something that's going to sound blasphemous to people? You can make an argument he's been better at this point in his career than Chipper Jones was at that point in his career. Like, the numbers are really comparable. They really are. There was a, I remember a shot last year late in the season comparing the two at that point. I think Austin has more home runs. Chipper might have a little bit of a better average, but I think it's sort of the one thing that's forgotten is Austin has been super consistent with his, even his average and his on base and all the things that you would expect to get from Chipper that you would say with Austin slugging percentage home runs might dip in some other areas. He really doesn't. What did Chipper do when he was going to be a rookie hit first base in spring training and the knee went? Uh, it buckled on him when he was trying to get to second. Yeah. And he, okay. Uh, so and so he begged out for a year with an ACL injury. So he comes back. He'll be uh, co-hosting tomorrow with Nick and Chris, eleven to two. Even after the injury, though, here's the chipper I remember. He used to fly around the baseball field, man. He had really good, really good speed. Uh, his MVP season, he had probably twenty-five bags, almost thirty. I could look at it for you. There's um, a way to find that information. Chipper, that was one element to it, though. Uh, oh. Chipper's 1999 MVP season, he did steal 25 bases. Now, Chipper's first season. Now 90- he got old and couldn't run anymore. You didn't need to mention that. And that knee again in the Houston. Are you done? No, I'm not done. I'm saying what happened to the speed. Like, Tony Gwynn stole 54 bases. What happened okay. to the speed? So, Chipper's first season as a rookie was uh, 1995. So, look at 95, 96, 97, 98, the first four years. And Chipper was really good. He went 23 homers, 86 ribs. I'll give you traditionals, 265 average, a 108 OPS plus. His second season, he pops to 30 home runs, 110 ribs. That's, um, wow. He had a 137 OPS plus. He goes 21 homers, 111 ribs, 119 OPS plus the next year, and then his fourth season was 34 home runs, 107 ribs, and he had a 148 OPS plus. So, I mean, awesome. Those are really good numbers for a guy who had just gotten into the bigs, man. Uh, here is Austin Riley's numbers. Now, some of this is mitigated, right? The 2019 season, he came up halfway through and played 80 games. The 2020 season, he only played 51 because it was the 60-game the, yep. the season. Last three years for Riley's full three, first full three seasons, right? 33 home runs, 107 ribs, 135 OPS plus. 38 home runs, 93 RBIs, a 140 OPS plus. Last year, 37 home runs, 97 ribs, and a three, or excuse me, a uh, 128 OPS plus. Like, the numbers are really close. He's a masher. There's no doubt about it. But it's not just a mashing, Chuck. He hit, if you want to go traditional batting average, he hit 303, hit 281, hit 273. The on-base numbers are there. He gives you all of it. It's the masher who's not hitting 230. You would think you give up some of it for the power, and with Austin, that doesn't happen. Now, there are about 10, 12, 15 runs responsible for like 15 for the core of that lineup like in this lineup i'm gonna say ronnie threw about six what are you talking about chuck i'm saying the 2023 atlanta Braves scored 947 runs the 1999 atlanta Braves mm-hmm. scored 840 wait what was this so they scored 840 what did the braves do last year 947 so, so there's 107 run, yeah. more and that's not spread out yeah. among all the hitters it's spread out between like one through six mm-hmm. so austin had like 15 more runs responsible for just because he's on this team can i give you another one he had 715 plate appearances last year he had 693 the year before and 662 a durable dude dude goes to the post in a way that yep. very few guys do so there's my early MVP prediction. Austin breaks through this year. He goes from really like 38 home runs, 37 is not even really good. It's borderline great. Now he cracks 40, mid 40s, upper 40s. He gets his MVP. He's finished sixth and last three years, seventh, sixth, and seventh in the MVP. I don't know. Like I said, I think he's the best third baseman in the game. And there's some good ones. Look at a chipper. Chippers. So his rookie year doesn't count. I won't even do that to him because he's a rookie. He finished 18th. The next three years after that, chipper finished fourth, ninth, and ninth before winning his MVP that following season in 1999. Can I add, how was Chipper not 
on the All-Star team in 1999, the year he won the Most Valuable Player? That's a good question. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. And who was the third baseman? Scott Rowland was Jay, probably on the team. Or Matt Williams? I don't know. Did he just have a huge second half and not? I mean, Chipper that year in 99 when he wins the MVP, hits 45 homers, 110 ribs, 319 average, an OPS of 1.074 and a 169 OPS plus. Chipper made the All-Star game every year from 96 to 01, except 1999. Funny. How about that? Yeah. All right. Or there's a reason he said, like, I'm not, I can't go where oh. I don't want to go. Uh, one thing, though. You can also, find out tomorrow. We'll be on with Nick and Chris 11 to 1. About Chipper is 2008. If you go look at his game log, I want to say it was as late as, like, June 5th, June 6th, June 7th, maybe. He was hitting 400. Damn right he was. I don't see that in Austin's future. I thought that was even later, though. Was it? I think it was like June 7th, maybe. He hit 364 that year. Won a batting title. Yep. So. Uh, all right. But, but, but we're talking about a guy who wound up in Cooperstown, mm-hmm. though. So, but, to, the, but the trajectory of Austin is, is like it's on that level early in his career. That's I'm how like, good. Wow, look at that first four years. I'm like, wait a minute. He's a Hall of Famer. Yep. So there's a life rule and a sports rule that we're doing our best to ruin. What would that be? Yeah, there are very few rules that cross into both paths, and this is one of them. I, I say this, always rush the field. In sports, rush the field. Have a good time. Um, now, this is what rush the field means to me. That's what it's supposed to mean. Drop down like a four-foot brick wall in the end zone, jog, hop, bounce, whatever, out to about the ten. And you stand on this patch of common grass with people who have common ideas and you're all happy for the same reason. And you do that for a few minutes and you look around and go, all right, time to walk back to the car and drive home. So that's rushing the field to me. Life rule? Yeah, rush the field. Make ish happen for yourself. Like it's an attitude. Uh, Steve Spurrier, he was talking, one of his uh, teammates passed last week or a couple of weeks ago. He was like, I'm still preaching offense. He was like, get after it in life, you know? So, yeah, rush the field, except now it's earned. Uh, and that is a southern term, and you know what it means. We've earned rushing the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I say, Matt, 90% of folks who get on the court or on the field now have cell phones out. Mm-hmm. And it's dangerous for a couple of reasons. For most people, it's not about a personal memory. It's about getting a vid that will get a lot of views. So that might require a little provocation, a little instigation of whatever level. Secondly, someone trying to talk to the lens themselves or staring at the face of the phone to make certain that like what they're filming is coming in clean. Those people aren't paying attention to where their feet are walking, like their steps directly in front of them. And there are hundreds, if not thousands of people with their cameras out trying to do this, it leads to physical contact, and that's when the stuff starts. Mm-hmm. We saw, do you remember Jermaine Burton in Knoxville when oh, yeah. he turned around and he wound up popping that Tennessee fan pretty good? Mm-hmm. But it was after when we saw the other cell phone videos that it was Tennessee fan, Tennessee. They, I decided that it was not just a random Alabama player. It was Tennessee fan after Tennessee fan after Tennessee fan shoving, 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 pushing the same guy, Jermaine Burton. Matt, I think this is where we live in society. Outside of the Alabama fan base and somebody who knows that roster, I think the only player in that entire program that an opposing fan would have looked at and said, he's the alpha. Jermaine Burton, everybody knew that about him, remember? Mm -hmm. He's the leader. He's that dog. He's all that. I think he was targeted. You're on the field. There's 100,000 of us. Mm-hmm. Shove, 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 shove. Matt, that was mob mentality against a guy. God bless Jermaine Burton for being the adult college-age kid in that situation. Um, so wait, let me ask you a question. Stop. Why in 1986 could we rush a court in a field and we didn't have to worry about any of this stuff because the players hadn't gotten off the court of the field yet, and maybe we just didn't hear about it. We but, weren't trying to have our moment. Okay, that's, might be that's true. a big part of it is we're trying to have our moment, not so just the, celebrate the way we used to like rushing the field, man. I'm going to stand here for a few minutes and all right, I'm going to go home. And all you did is you and a bunch of other NC state fans stood on some wood for a few minutes. And then mm-hmm. you're like, all right, well, I'm gonna go home. All or, you want to do is stand there with people that felt the same thing you did. See, this all changed when we started having the retractable goalposts. When you started having the goalposts go down, they took away my fun. I'm, I want to watch kids carry the goalpost down, you know, main street of whatever college campus, but I would add this to it. Did you happen to see the end of the, it's a while back now, the Georgia Tech upset over Duke at uh, McCamish? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
it was the most delayed rushing of the court because they wanted to make sure the court was clear. The game ended, big upset, or it might have been the North Carolina game. I don't remember. One of the two. And the players are off the court. And then everybody rushed the court about six minutes later. I'm like, it's all over. There's they no lost more, by one point. No, I think they won by board one. But it's, it, there's, I think they won by two. There's no more organic way to do it for player safety, uh, for the fans doing it. I, I don't know. It, it feels all forced you, now. You, you, you can handle this. And if you think you can't, Matt, close your eyes. You ever seen fans storm the field at an NFL game? No. Ish don't happen. But you you know also why? don't have a bunch of kids. Because you got a bunch of strip club bouncers there who will take it down stat, or a German Shepherd's going to take a bite out of your calf. Yeah, but adults, um, adults shouldn't be rushing a field. Oh, Matt, who, kids rush fields. 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. Adults shouldn't okay. be rushing on a field. There are plenty of all demographics at college and NFL games. I understand it. What I'm saying, though, is there's a full collection of a a college student that's sitting with other college students. They're all uh-huh. in what's called a student section. So when they're at the end of the game going, we're all going to rush the field. I don't think in sections 311 through 317 you're yelling at a, a Bears game, we're going to rush the field. That, there's more than why that. There are plenty of adults at college fields or college games that wind up on the field. You know that. Mm, it's um, a bad look. You're I'm going to tell you. It's bad luck. I, I'm going to tell you right now, Clemson. I don't know, Colin. What is every Clemson fan invited to do after every win or lose? What are they supposed to do? When I was a kid, I went on the Clemson field after South Whoa. Carolina. See you, you went right on the field. Yep. See you on the Paul. Like they Colin. meet at the Paul or Colin whatever went. to see at the whatever. I'm went sorry. Right on the field. No more Paul. Fresno State does it. There are a few other schools that say win or lose, y'all come down and we'll just congregate and have conversations on the field. I'm sorry, I can't do that, Matt. I got a solution. Mm. It's a drastic one to rushing the field. It's a B. Uh huh. You lose a conference home game the next rotation. That's silly. Come on. I'm not going to take away your game because the fans ran on the field. That's That would be like, I don't like when we flag the home team because something happens in the crowd. You want to do more. You now. won't have to. I'm not doing it. It it will keep Cody and Roy Ed from looking at each other and realizing somebody has to start this field rushing and that somebody's right here. So how many people does it take? Because if two guys run on the field, I lose a game. It's a Georgia fan going, no, you ain't. Uh, you're always hey, going to man. You're always going to have somebody feeling froggy. Some guy ran on the field during a okay. Super Bowl. And you, know mean, what you, and you know what you got? You got security there to take care of that. Mm. I'm talking about thousands and thousands of folks. We've all seen fields where they have to get the crowd back off the field so we can make the final snap. Mm-hmm. You're a no fun guy. Ooh. You're a no it fun doesn't guy. happen at pro games. You're a no Ooh. fun guy. Pro games are antiseptic compared to college games. You're a no fun guy. It's pretty clear. I'm trying to. I'm a responsible citizen. <laughs> do you want to go right down the hall down there? You want to say what you want to do? Here's what I want you to do. I thought in 2024, Fun Chuck was going to be here. I need you to rush a quarter of field this year. I got a year. message from Dr. Miller. She asked if I was coming back. Would you do that for me? Is there a court or a field we can get you to run on this year somewhere just to let you know how liberating it feels? Oh, I'm always in favor of it. Well, I want you to do it. Then we're not taking home games away. And we're not- I'm always in favor of it. You okay. just can't be trusted to do it anymore. Right. We, we as society, it has to go away now. All right, coming up, what does the Falcons' puke point on a potential Kirk Cousins contract sound like? I don't think it sounds like that. In my mind, I had a different noise. Maybe more so that. I don't know. I'll share that puke point with you next. Chuck and Chernoff are on the fan. That means you can find us on FM at 93.7. Right. If you haven't listened on FM, pretty booming. Voices sound pretty good. Also, AM still doing it at 680 or 630 or 860. Sounds like a 10 can keeps breaking up. And then there's the uh, 680 The Fan mobile app. That's always available for you anytime, anywhere. It's a steaming pile. Steaming on the fan app. That's exactly right. Uh, we're with you till 6, and then you'll uh, keep the uh, frequency right here and wake up tomorrow morning with the locker room, 6 to 10, followed by the Buckster, 10 to 11. 680 and 93 sub. That's right. There's a lot of voices. And then uh, Nick and Chris, 11 to 2, they'll be uh, joined by Chipper Jones, the Hall of Famer, tomorrow in studio, 11 to 1. So you got that here. Right down the hall, you have our sister station. That's Extra, 106.3 Atlanta's only conservative news talk radio station. Down the hall to the right. That's exactly right. And there you can get uh, right on that station with the Extra app. Listen all day, starting with the uh, Morning Extra with Tug Rhino and Carlos. I think we've uh, now mentioned everything. We're caught up to date. I feel good about all of it. Uh, Coming up in five minutes, Chuck says we can go to Party Town the next few nights. But he also wants to keep it in its proper perspective. Hell of a tease. It's got people on the edge, man. 
I love how Chuck has a party in one mention of the teas, and he's like, but, but don't get too carried away with the fun. Keep it in perspective with your party. Don't have too much of a good time at your party. He'll tell you about that coming up. But first, I want to read you something that came out last week. I wasn't here, and I'm sure you guys had covered it. Albert Breer of SI.com reported once again, the Minnesota Vikings are not willing to give Kirk Cousins another fully guaranteed contract. Cousins has had a fully guaranteed deal in each of his six seasons in Minnesota. That's been one of his deals. He's wanted the guarantee each time. So there was a um, report today. Kevin O'Connell, the head coach, speaking to the media, said, we want Kirk back. We feel like the talks are in the right direction. feel like it's going to happen. And all that is just talk until something gets put down on paper and they agree. Spotrack has projected Kirk Cousins would get a three-year deal worth $100 million with 75 of it guaranteed at signing, meaning $50 million on the books in 2024, 75 fully guaranteed in the first two years, and then if he's still upright, healthy, and productive, the third year would be on the table if he was to sign Minnesota wherever. Now, that deal might be for Minnesota. If Kirk's to leave Minnesota, uproot the kids, move the family, late in his career, it might cost more to go, let's say, to the Falcons. The Falcon deal might be three years and $100 million. But Kirk might tell you, for me to come, I want it guaranteed. Which is where I bring you back to the old Thomas Dimitrov puke point. Remember that line? Mm-hmm. He said, we always had a puke point where we can't go past that point. Now, seemingly that didn't happen because they gave everybody deals. $33 million a year from my starting quarterback is a guy that if the Achilles works and it's one of those injuries that you kind of come back from and may snap again, but yeah, you, hope. you come back from it. Uh, he's good to go week one for $33 million for a starting quarterback in the NFL. Hell yes. You're not wrong, but you sound like Indianapolis fans talking about Matt Ryan. You also sound like Charger fans at the end with Phillip Rivers. You sound like Steeler fans at the end with Ben Roethlisberger. You sound like uh, we all do this. But the most Hold recent on. time Hold I on. saw him play is good. Okay, Chuck, he's 35 off an Achilles. He had a great year. What is he going to be at 37 and 38? Do you really know? It's different. We saw Russell in Seattle and we're like, eh. You watched Matt Ryan in 2021. What did you think of Matt in 22? I thought Matt in 21 was... Uh, was fine enough. Yeah. Okay, so you would have been gung-ho on him being back here another year at 22 at 37 years old. So was I been wrong about that. But I'm saying you're not the only one. They all, except for Tom Brady, we got to get the Brady thing out of our mind. They have all fallen off the cliff at 34, 35, 36, 37, because that's when human beings who play that position who have gotten hit for so long start to deteriorate. I'm with you. It's not my money, but it's also a cap-based sport. That if it's a three or $100 million deal, I would run the risk that the last year is going to be a disaster. Mm-hmm. And it might be. Sure. That's a $33 yep. million disaster that there's no wiggling out of that puts you back in cap we'll hell. We'll worry about that in 2026. It's going to come, though. I mean, it's, it's, and the cap is going to go up higher. True. And so $33 million a year for your quarterback. when they're, Think about this. $33 million and then next year there's an extra $7 million and then two years from now there's an extra $9 million. That's another $16 million mm-hmm. right off the top. I would say this. I would walk away from a three-year guaranteed deal, but that's fine. If you want to give it to I, I won't lose my mind over it. I would walk away. I keep saying this. There's a reason the Minnesota Vikings don't want to do it. You they don't have a him. quarterback and you're saying no. Well, I, I don't have a quarterback right now. There are going to be other options that I'm going to like or hopefully I'm going to go down that road. Can, but, can I... The Minnesota, Vi- the Minnesota Vikings are looking at the guy they've had mm-hmm. year after year, and they're saying, we're not doing it. That's so telling to me. I can't get by that. Just Who because does- we're more desperate doesn't mean you make a bad move. You're scary, Terry. They signed Kirk Cousins, draft night, eighth overall. Who do they pick? Just give me a name in that scenario. Uh, Dallas Turner. Okay. So for $33 million a year, I get my starting quarterback and the best pass rusher in the draft. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of sold on that. I, I like lo- that. I like Chuck, all of that. I love it in year one. You're not, I'm not, I'm with you in 2024. Here's the thing. I won't hate it in year three. You, what you will. You hate it. Matt Ryan was benched multiple times because he was so bad. When I said Indy. an extra seven, then an extra nine, I mean, on top of the expected, there's an expected 10 to 12 million every year. This year, there was 20 million more on top of that. Yeah, I'm not doing the money part of it. I'm doing that on the quarterback. In the two money years. will go away, man. Who's my starting quarterback in two years? Figure that out in two years. My gosh, what, Who at what, when's it now? So, Like all these people last year with Lamar, that'll wreck the cap. We got a really solid linebacker. Lamar, that was a dumb response. A, Lamar wasn't going to be really available. B, Lamar's 25, 26. This is a 36-year-old off a serious injury. You can't just gloss over that. I, I can't just let that move out of my way. This, Matt Ryan at 37 fell apart. I'm using Matt as a comp for Kirk because Matt's better. 
This Matt's better, and he was healthier than Kirk. I can't ignore that. This franchise has not pursued a legitimate NFL starting quarterback in two years. That's not true. After they, after they, Deshaun they pursued Deshaun. After Deshaun, they put their hands up. Went Mariota, Desmond, Heineke. Two NFL seasons of your money, and that was their plan at quarterback. They hadn't even tried for a legitimate starter. Hold on now. you got to give the full context. They tried for Deshaun, and then that didn't happen. That blew everything up. Crap the bed for him. So, remember, they can sell this to you whatever way they want. Matt Ryan was going to be the quarterback here in 2022. Then when they pushed for Deshaun, Matt asked out. At that point, A, you're in salary cap hell, you're paying Matt's dead money, and you don't have the ability to go get a quarterback at that point in the, in the spring and the summer. So they had to pivot. And I'm not defending these guys for the sake of defending them. There's a true story here. They were left with, we have Mariota, and we're going to draft a third-round pick. Like, there were not a ton of options when they Who did was that. The extra, was it an extra second or third rounder they got from Matt Ryan? It was the second they ended up getting. I think. Who's the player they got from Adam? I'm trying to remember. I had the internet. So like, 20, literally, I'm now touching the internet. So Indianapolis trades for him in the in the summer going into 22. It's, it's more fun to think. Well, you could figure it out. So it was last year. And then was Somebody on the show could. Oh. It would be the 22 82nd overall pick. All right, well, it wouldn't be 82nd. That's be, not a second round pick. No. Uh, it would be 2023. Yeah. It was a second round pick. Because Yeah. All right. We're doing this well. Anybody have the internet where they could just look it up? Who is the I'm pick? trying to remember. Pop quiz. We have baseball season coming up. I have to get my brain suck. sharp. You guys are horrible at this. All we need is Put a Put Nets card up there. Is there a Richie Grant? Is there a, is there a Marlon Davidson? Is there, is there a Troy Anderson? Unfinished business. Is there? Yeah, we'll find. You have Gephardt, to wait, my gosh. You got to wait an hour and a half instead of somebody just bringing up the 22 Falcon draft? I'm trying to remember. I will sit here for the rest of the show until somebody gets no, this. No, you won't. I will sit here. I need answers out of you guys. Troy Anderson, thank you. Troy Anderson. Very good. God, this show sucks. It really sometimes, sometimes, uh, sometimes. Not a lot. It really does. Uh, coming up in five minutes, Ozuna from the Braves has one more year in Atlanta. And to this point, I can only think of one word to describe his time here. It was too sensitive. That's more than one word. That's not right. <laughs> I'll share the one word coming up. But first, we're going to go to party town, but with qualifiers. Chuck won't let us party too hard. No, I'm just saying let's kind of keep it in perspective at all. Uh, Matt, the Hawks, we talked about this earlier. They beat a playoff team in their first game without Trey. They did. They beat there Orlando. was context. Orlando didn't play. Everybody screw that. Hawks didn't have Trey. Party. So the Hawks beat a playoff team in their first game. Yay, Hawks. Okay. The next three, have you looked at the schedule? I have. Opponents that are a combined 30 games under 500. Go 3-0 and in those games, Matt, and I promise you a conversation will start. Hawks are better without Trey. And then somebody's going to bring up the Lou game. I, right. I can understand if, like, if just somebody doesn't like Trey does it, but if a media member starts to do it, I'm going to ignore you quickly. They, yeah, they're not. I'm not having that conversation. It is an aimed, vapid conversation, but it's going to start. I, I'll right. say this. If anybody's doing it, you're stupid. And I, I'm like, there's no way to be. If you're having the conversation of the Hawks better without Trey Young, you're stupid. Let's be excited. Let's have fun, Matt. Let's, let's live where for a few nights? Party town. Okay. But let's know the whole time what's going on is the team's on a mini heater against bad <laughs> opponents, and they're trying to – see, this is the immediate goal. Mm-hmm. They're trying to separate from 11. Right. God bless the NBA, Matt. Mm-hmm. They have back-to-back games against the Brooklyn Nets. Somehow the league knew that the Hawks would be 10 and the Nets would be 11. Right. They can shut the door on the Nets' playoff hopes with a sweep of the Brooklyn Nets next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe keep it in perspective that That's it's fun in the moment. It's party town. 4-0? So a Hawks game. Go 4-0 without Trey? Hawks against Jazz and then Hawks against Brooklyn is party town without Trey Young? 4-0 without Trey is party town. Okay. Now, then it kind of goes different because it's playoff team, playoff team, playoff team, playoff team. But mm-hmm. play in. Play in <laughs> team. Play in. So the, the context on the Orlando game is they didn't have Paolo Banchero, who's yeah. the best player. But sure. we're just like to gloss over that. That's fine. So the Hawks did win that game, and I'm hoping they do. I want them to win. I'm sure Trey Young wants them to win. If they go 15-0, and they're not better without Trey Young. There's a confluence of events, whether it's schedule, whether it's teams they're playing Food on back-to-backs. What, whatever, a bird pooped on the other team. You're not better without Trey Young. You don't, you don't become a better team without a player who scores 27 and averages 10 assists tonight. They're not going, I, there's a fair chance they're 4-0. 
I, in their you're, first you're, four. You're nuts, dude. Well, based on what? Clearly you have not been watching. I mean, seriously, like, what are we doing? No, 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 strictly on the bad opponents. Oh, they're a bad opponent. They are. This sounds like when we did the Falcons against the Colts and the Falcons and against... And they just won one game okay. without Trey. Okay. I will You're saying there's no party town. You're crap. <laughs> Joe was... says go to party town, just not too much. I'm saying at least there's some. So you think they're 4-0. Okay. There's a chance, the maybe. Thing. So they got one win, so they beat Utah and Brooklyn twice. Uh, they'll go 2-2 two and two at best. At best. And then what do we call it? Party town, what are we doing? 31-0. You're yeah, saying they're, they're one. And I saw the game the other night, and I'll watch so tonight. They went home just Friday in Brooklyn. They're just going to I mean, get I, tore up, right? Yeah, with that t- Who the hell knows? With this Hawk team? No clue. Like, I, if you're trying to predict what's going to happen with the Hawks, good luck doing that They one. play Thursday in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. They play Saturday afternoon in Brooklyn. I, I can look at the schedule. Thank you. They play Tuesday at Madison Square Garden. Like, right. they're just hanging out in New York for a week. How's that going to go? That's what I'm saying. How about the uh, game against Cleveland, who's the two seed in the East? I know. At that point, Matt, it becomes a bit more difficult. Is it party town on the West Coast trip without Trey? Not as much. Didn't think so. I'm trying to help a little. How about the two games against Boston in March? Damn nation. We can't be excited for a week. How about the game against Milwaukee or the games at Dallas back-to-back or the Denver game? That's later. My point is I want Trey Young back. It doesn't matter. This team stinks either way. With Trey or without Trey, they stink. They don't play defense. They don't hit shots. They are what they are. But there will be some stupid radio show or stupid TV yep. show or stupid social media post Other show. players get involved more. If they go 3-1, and one, that will say they're better without Trey Young. And I'm, Sadiq Bay is finally free. I'm ignoring all of them. Oh, show. What are you intimating? Hello. Are you saying, has Finn done that one? No, he doesn't mean that. That's You can't mean that. That's, that really? Has he done? Oh, show. So with a four-game sample, if they happen to run the table against these three teams, he's going to... Maybe insinuating something. Really? A little bit. How about that? This is breaking news to me. All right. So an all-star, an all-NBA player, you're better without him. Interesting. Averaging like 25 and 10, which is historical stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just... Now I have a better perspective on it. Uh, I said there was one word to describe the Ozuna with the Braves era. I'm Ozuna from the Braves. It's confusing. There have been very few times that a player is going to play this long in one uniform, and I'm more confused than I am with this guy. So a quick reminder. When the Braves signed him in 2020 in the offseason, it was to sign him to play left field, which was just objectively funny. They were not going to make him the DH because at that point there was no DH. He was not He was not the fielder he had once been. He won a gold <laughs> glove in Miami. Which was just Robbery, by and the then way. it was like three or four years later, and he was just a guy. When they signed him, do you guys not remember that piece of video that came in on the ball where he's going back into left field? And I, th- I think he overran it by three feet. Got a goal glove, right? So when he signed here, I was like, eh, I expect him to hit some home runs, but I don't expect much else. In that 2020 season, the 60 gamer, he was not only an MVP candidate, but he was a triple crown contender. I don't know what would happen if they played another hundred games, but for that 60, that's what we know. He scalded the ball and got rewarded too. But it took a long time for the reward. Remember, the Braves did not re-sign him until very late into the 2021 offseason leading into the 21 campaign. Because I remember we were at Harris-Cherokee when the news came in. It was right before either spring training or close to the season. And the Braves re-signed him. And we all went, okay. What makes that intriguing is Alex has only given out two deals to older free agents. Will Smith got a long term for money and Marcel. So Marcel's gets the four-year deal worth, what was it, $65 million? Does that sound right? And then 2021, he was so bad when the season started. Gets off to a really slow start, doesn't have a chance to turn it around because he got arrested, the domestic situation with his wife. And we all wondered out loud, will we ever see him again in a Braves uniform? And then we all knew the answer. Well, they're paying him. So unless it's a, a felony, he's going to be back. Yeah, and he Brian, was back. Brian Snickers quote, are you going to play? Are you going to put him in the lineup? And there's a pause. He said, well, we have to have somebody out there. Mm-hmm. And he was out like, there. Like, that's all he had. He's like, well, he's on the roster, and we have to fill out the lineup. And they were so. paying him $17 million a year or something. So in 2022, he comes back. Awful again to start the season. Arrested again. This time we get Ozuna from the Braves, DUI. We all asked again, is this the end of the Ozuna time in Atlanta? And they went, well, we're still paying him. <laughs> so he came back in 23, and I'm not even going to argue. I'm going to tell you, folks, he was the worst player in baseball for the entire month of April. That's not an opinion. That is a fact. In the month of April in 2023, Marcelo Zuna hit 085. He was so bad, he was unplayable, and I came on this show behind this microphone and yelled, stop playing him. Please stop playing him. He got angry because he hit a, like a, 
three-run bomb. He'd been 0 for like 12 or something. He went just blasted one, and you're like, I'm sorry it happened because it'll extend his time on the roster. 100%. And I said, still keep playing him. Still keep playing him. And I said, they'll be in a bat late in the game where they use him. That Oh, my God, it's going to drive me nuts. And then something happened in May. I don't have to deal with the devil or I, I don't know. He found a fountain of youth, and he became one of the best hitters in baseball for the next five months. He ended the season last year with 40 home runs and 100 RBIs and a 138 OPS. I don't know plus. if it was like the goggles came in, the right ones, or whatever it was. He did all that in 144 games, right? Even the batting average, which was 085, at the end of April, he hit 275 for the season. So ask me the question, what do I expect from Marcel in 2024? Go ahead, ask. Ask me. Matt, what do you expect from Ozuna from the Braves? I have no effing idea. He's the most confusing guy I would ever... He'll regress from last year. I know that much. He will not hit 40. He will not drive in 100. And he will not hit in the 270s. After that, I have no clue. Because it could be 198 where he can't hit at all. Or he could still give you 30 home runs. I have no bleeping idea with this guy. Here's what I do know. It's his last year with the Braves no matter what. And the early returns may not have much reflection at all on what you're actually getting around July, August, September. Oh, I have no After idea. he scalded it in May... He had a drop-off and then hit it again like around the All-Star break and just was – he was the best DH in the game. How's that possible? He was the worst hitter he in baseball. He was the best DH. And DH is where you park a really good hitter who you don't want in the field anymore. He was the best of those guys. I believe – and I, I'm checking right now. I believe he might have a uh, – he might have an option on his contract. I still feel confident enough to know he won't get that picked up. It was a four-year, $65 million deal – if he performs well, he does have a 2025 option for age 34. I'm going to go on a limb and say they won't pick up the option. But then again, I've been wrong about this guy every time. And the uh, charges were reduced, I believe. And, okay. Yeah. All right. So one of the most confusing. Like, can you think of another more confusing? Like, B.J. Upton was just bad, right? So there's no confusion. When they signed B.J. to the big money, B.J. was awful. But there wasn't a okay, guy that yeah. I proclaimed was done, came back, was the best at this, was awful. And this year was great in 2020. I don't remember something like this. If you will look up Dan Ugla's 2009, 10, 11, 12, whatever the season. Dan Ugla had a season with the Braves where he hit like 188. And that had was a with the 33 game 33 hitting streak. game hitting streak. That's not sti- possible. But he was still bad. It wasn't like the peaks and valleys. There wasn't a point where you said Dan's the best at this. No. So I'm looking at Ugla's numbers just... He had a 30, and it was awful. I was like, this is impossible. It's incongruous because you have to get hits to have a hitting streak. So in 2011, when he came over, first season here, Ugly hit 233 with 36 home runs, 82 RBIs, had a 107 OPS plus, struck out a gazillion times. Then in 2012, he hit 20, I'm sorry, he fell off to 19 home runs, 78 RBIs, hit 220. Then in 2013, he hit 22 home runs, hit 179. It was done. Oh, my God, it happened quick. Uh-huh. So I, I can't even use that. Like I, I'm trying to rack my brain to think about a roller coaster ride more than this, and I'm sure there's one I'm forgetting off the um, top of my head. There was no roller coaster. It was just a fall off. And Mark Walters, when it was done, it was done. And it wasn't an injury well, that, thing, was that, it? That was he got the yips. Yeah, like yeah. Steve Avery was an injury. That wasn't an injury. No. It, well, And Walters did go under the knife at one point, but, yeah, I think they were trying to – fix here and then work on the arm. But they, again, has there even been an injury in Marcel's four years? No. Big bear strong. Hopefully big bear hit again this season. All right. Coming up next Falcon fans need flowery branch to finally get a very clear message from the rest of the league. Chuck yeah. will tell us more next on 680 the fan. Good Chuck, Chuck. Chuck and Chernoff are on the fan. After the uh, show, Chuck is headed to Party Town down to State Farm to watch the Underdog Hawks, who are a four and a half point underdog against the Jazz at home tonight. Party Town begins. Rise up. That's not theirs. They were they were the rise up first. They no, no. did. I, did they do rise they up? They did rise up first. They Absolutely, the br- they did I rise up. They, I thought they had the brick wall. I don't know about that. The they Falcons became first. the brick wall defense. That's the Hawks. I thought they were a the brick Hawks, wall. No. Hmm. Uh, point is, it's going to be a huge atmosphere. No Trey Young. Hawks. Can anybody name three members of the Jazz besides John Collins? Not you, Colin. You don't count. Chuck, three members of the Jazz. Go. Uh, Say Stockton Malone. The players they got for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Okay. Those would be? Lori Markkinen. That is there. Very good. It's a good job. 
Uh, Conley, little tiny. Yeah, Conley. Mike Conley is he still there? Uh, I'm out. <laughs> you did good. No, I didn't. That was, that was better than I thought. You handled your business just fine. And then a bunch of picks. And those won't be playing tonight. Uh, the 4 o'clock hour of the show is presented by Entry Point Doors and Windows, Atlanta's local expert for entry doors and windows. They're Atlanta's best for a reason. Go to entrypointatlanta.com for a free estimate. So Chuck says Falcon fans need Flowery Branch to finally get a very clear message from the rest of the league. Yeah, and if you haven't gotten the message yet, just look at the headlines the past couple of days. Um Either Scary Terry and Coach Arthur were unaware the league really, really isn't about running backs, or until the absolute last chance they had, they decided they were smarter than every other front office can play a different game, and somehow it was all going to work with uh, shiny, sparkly pieces everywhere and also running back at eighth overall, but no one to get the ball to them consistently. Bijan is a monster talent. You could sign three Bijans this offseason if you wanted. And I know he's not just a running back, et cetera, all that. Neither is Saquon, all right? And Saquon, 100% free, clear, can sign with anyone. Josh Jacobs is not just a running back. The Raiders drafted him in the first round. He caught 197 passes in addition to running for 5,500 yards and 46 touchdowns. That's unreal production. Rookie deal's done, Josh. Bye. You can have Josh right now. Uh, we all realize, don't we? The team spent the eighth overall pick on a player they almost certainly won't have passed his rookie contract. As recently as last April, they were still effing this up. If the eighth pick is anything but currency for a quarterback, like it can be the eighth pick and you, and you write a name on a card. You can use it as currency to trade up. You can trade back. You can trade for a veteran. If it's anything other than a quarterback, it is front office malpractice at this point. You have to remember how they go about their business, though. What do they like to tell you? Best available plan. And they've lived up to it. See, I think a lot of teams say that, and they don't mean it. The Falcons have clearly meant it. They have followed their board and stuck to it because no other team takes Kyle Pitts at number four, not because he's not an elite talent, because you didn't have, like, the pillars of an NFL roster, a defensive end, maybe a better offensive tackle, uh, a quarterback, like those things, and they, they took Kyle. But wait a minute. Then they followed up with Drake. Right? And I, I, wide receivers are a lot more important than they used to be. So I don't have a problem with that. The problem I have with taking Drake when they did is because you just followed it up with Kyle and you still didn't have the answer at quarterback. And then last year, I mean, we all saw the writing on the wall. They were taking Bijan. Like the rest of us are screaming, Jalen Carter, go get this monster. And they were talking about character and all this other stuff. And they took Bijan. And Bijan might be great. But as we saw last year, it didn't matter at all. We, because they didn't have the quarterback thing figured out. We better hope that best available player, really, they... If they were going best available player mm-hmm. and the plan at quarterback was someone that wasn't best available until 74, not everybody's board looks alike, so it doesn't mean that he was the 74th guy. He could have been, I don't know, the 60th for the Falcons. He wasn't the best available until the 74th pick overall in the draft. That was the Falcons' plan. The intention was for this guy to take over at quarterback. Yep. Bad plan. It was, but I, again, I understood what they were thinking. They were trying to surround him with all the stuff. And Arthur knew, Coach Arthur knew last year, I'm so far into this and we have to win right now. Let's try to get lightning. Maybe Desmond develops and let's roll. And it didn't work. Do you know the problem with best player available? It's because it's just in the eye of the beholder. Your best player available is not yeah. going to match up with yeah. everybody's. Now, largely, they're, they're similar. Like, your group of players from five to eight are kind of the same. But, like, Cincinnati's best player available at five the year the Falcons took Kyle Pitts might have been Jamar Chase, and they got Jamar Chase. If the Falcons had Pitts rated a higher than Chase, Jalen Waddell, Panay Sewell, like, I can keep going, uh, Micah Parsons, they were wrong in their evaluation. If, if you want to – now, some of this is not on Kyle. Yes, there are injuries, and there's coaching stuff, and there's quarterback. Okay. But Kyle is nowhere close to the player Jamar Chase is. Kyle's nowhere close to the player Panay Sewell is. Kyle's nowhere close to the player Micah Parsons is. I can argue Kyle's not the player that Jalen Waddle is. He's, He's not, not the player he that hasn't been. Patrick He's... Sertan has been. I think Waddle caught 100 passes his rookie season. The point is, your evaluation of, of Kyle, and we all heard all the stuff about Unicorn and all these things, even when Kyle's been healthy, he doesn't look special. Like his rookie year, the numbers were great. 
But there wasn't a time where I was like, oh, my God, Kyle's running away from people. Or, oh, my God. You know, Kyle's made a couple of really kind of fun behind-the-back catches and done some things like that. But you know what I mean. We watched Julio, who was taken with the six-pick. Mm-hmm. And you saw Julio his rookie year and went, oh, my God, that's special. You just saw it. I haven't seen that with Kyle, even when healthy. There is, if you really want to vomit a little bit. I like Kyle. I, and I said, if you stay at four, I get why he's the pick. Don't stay at four. I don't. I don't but, get why he would be the pick ever. Not because he's not talented. If not for this team. You want to be a little bit horrified. There is a developing thought that it is the greatest draft in NFL history for pass rushers. The number one draft ever. Go look way, way like past Micah Parsons, folks. Go look at the sack totals through just three seasons. The greatest draft in NFL history for pass rushers, and this team spent the fourth overall pick on a tight end. They didn't get any of them in the entire draft. They didn't get any of them. Can I also add to this? How do you do that? So add to this one now. Well, we pile on the Falcons. They <laughs> ran me off. Um, when they picked Drake, and Drake's fine. I don't think Drake's a one. I think Drake's a good receiver. He's not a one. I think they evaluated him incorrectly over Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. I think Drake's the third of those three. I would take Garrett Wilson before I would take the other two. I would take Olave by a hair over London. The Falcons evaluation, because they had the first of the picks of the wide receivers that led the run, they evaluated him as the best on their board. It is an inexact science, and it's a, to steal a Domino term, a crapshoot. They're pretty average at their drafting, right? I mean, I, I think... Bijan's got a huge future they've, in front of him over the next couple of years. They found three very capable players at the top of the draft. They have paid full damn retail for him. Now, again, all of them can play. Kyle, if he's healthy and got competent quarterback play, he could produce some stuff. He just hasn't had a combination of those but two things. you know things. what I mean? He's not. The fourth pick's supposed to be special. Supposed to be. Supposed to be. What the hell do we do about this guy? You know the fourth pick was the year after Kyle? Sauce Gardner. He's special. When you watch oh. the Jets play, you see special. Do you, you know how many picks he has in his career so far? Mm. Two. You know no, why? They don't throw at him. It's like, all right, that side of the field, it's covered with lava. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's like 6'3 with long arms and can turn and run with anybody in the league. Like, yeah, but what sounds good about throwing over there? So here's where you're going to learn what's changed because the GM's still the GM, but the head coach and his coaching staff, there's a different set of opinions and a different set of eyes and how they view the eighth pick this time around will be interesting. Like, I, I think the easiest thing, not to overthink it, if, if Dallas Turner is there, and I think he will be, I really do, just by the way the quarterbacks are going to go, you're going to have three quarterbacks and a wide receiver in the top four. So four picks are gone. Then we're going to have five, six, and seven, and I think Dallas Turner is going to be sitting there at eight for the Falcons. Do they pass that up to get kitschy like they have in these first three drafts and do something else? If he's gone, you talk about eye of the beholder. Um, the big giant kid out of UCLA, I think, is the third. He's the third of three really, really good pass rushers, okay? Rookie pass rushers, but I think he's third. Some folks, even if Dallas Turner goes, because I said, I do not live in a world where the first pass rusher is there at eight. Um, they may like Jared Verse more. They could. Doesn't oh. make them right. God knows, judging how they've done no, things over the last not. couple of years, it's, it's gives you reason for <laughs> gives you reason for concern the way it's done. But this is one of those weird years, and I say this year, it's starting to look like this more and more. The wide receiver is being valued so much differently than it used to be that we might have two wide receivers go in the top six. Like, that is not impossible at all. I think that part of the trend is get the wide receiver for five cheap years mm-hmm. or possibly only four, mm-hmm. um, and then you trade him. If after the fourth or year, it's the AJ Brown, did. and it's or you break him off, they just gave him. A, they just made him the uh, franchise. franchise player. Try to work out a long term. By the way, that's their second receiver. Correct. So you want to try to get him cheap and extend that as much as possible, but cheapish before you have to pay him twenty two, twenty three, twenty five million dollars a year. And if you're the Titans, you're like, yeah, we got it right in the draft for the receiver. Now we're trading him. We're going to spend the. The idea is that Traylon Burks will be just as good. He He's hasn't been. No. So the, the other receiver, by the way, that I'm alluding to is I think Malik Neighbors is going to go in the top six. Somebody's going to fall in love with the skill set that he provides. And then if you're a Falcon fan hoping for Dallas Turner, you're hopeful that one of these, like somebody falls in love, like the Chargers go Brock Bowers, that they go to, they want to get Justin Herbert, this fun toy to play with in Brock Bowers at number five, right? Or somebody falls in love with Roman Dunze because they see the run on receivers already happening and they grab him. These are all big 
I, long arm, uh-huh. run good routes, a lot of success. I mean, these are all or great prospects. Tennessee says we need to get either a weapon or a offensive tackle for Will Levis, and they take you all. That a team that needs a quarterback cannot take it eight. Yep. All those are in play. There's no question. They can't be. All right, coming up, it sounds like D-Led just revealed the Falcons' quarterback plan. All right, finally. <laughs> Plus, the Braves' newest sale item was on display for the first time today. Don't do it. Don't do it. He did it anyway. He did. I'll tell you why I'm not happy with Chris Sale, though. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words. It's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey, sandwich lovers. Today is your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open. Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacy and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner. This is a 680 The Fan podcast. To hear more live and local sports content like this, tune into 680 AM or 93.7 FM or download the Fan app. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.